0: Welcome to episode 34 of Cue the Duck Boats podcast. Connor, in your note, you put it was episode 33, but last week was Chara. This is 34. Kevin. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. on this beautiful Sunday morning, give us a famous number thirty-four, please.
1: Damn, putting me on the spot like
0: that. This shouldn't be too hard. Austin Matthews. There we go. There we go. Good to see that you're sharp on this morning. I know it's it's hard for Kevin to be sharp on a Sunday morning. He gets Fridays and Saturdays off, so he really likes to live them up. But he's you know he's been working late a lot, so these are his those are his big days. How are you guys feeling today? It's um, We're rolling along. I, I think that last week we had a little momentum, right? Because we felt like season was inching closer because there's a lot of news. The last couple of weeks have been a little dead now, other than one pretty major thing that we'll get into, obviously. We can just jump right into it. You guys want to start this a little different? We always start with the Bruins. We start out east, and it seems to kind of dominate a lot of our conversation. Let's change it up. Let's start out west. Let's talk Let's about it. the biggest signing that's happened since we last recorded. Connor,
2: you you your show. Let's talk about it. Uh, Nazem Kadri signing with the Calgary Flames. Uh, I don't have – I don't remember the specifics of the contract off the top of my head, but I believe it was around
0: uh, 7 million. Seven
2: years, 7.25 million, I believe. Seven, yeah,
0: I thought it was seven even. I can seven seven,
1: even.
2: Million seven even. Yeah. So <clears throat> that was definitely a shocker that uh, – sent the hockey world into complete chaos, you know, being the the last big ticket to sign in the free agent world. For me, I was personally shocked at the contract, you know, dollar amount after hearing that he could potentially get 9 to 10 million going into the offseason to see him sign this little and it not be with the New York Islanders, which we will probably get to a little later. It was interesting, and now you have to ask yourself the question of are the Calgary Flames one of the best teams in the West?
0: Yeah, I, I actually – I titled this podcast The Kings in the North, New Kings in the North. I want to know how you guys feel. We can start with you, Kev, if you want. Do you think that this deal makes Calgary the New Kings up in the North, Northern Alberta?
1: I think it definitely does, um, just not the cadre – Signing alone, but definitely helps. But bringing in Weger, bringing in Huberdeau, what like seemed like a uh, awful off season for the Flames. They turned around it real quick. Obviously, you're not gonna replace Chuck and Girdo with one player. So they went out and got multiple players, set themselves over the future with the first round pick and the prospect, also in the Chuck trade. But having Kadri – and already having Lindholm on your roster, your top six center depth right there. And then having on your third line, um, Michael Backlund, it's definitely, you're solid right down the middle. And now you have Maggi Pani on um, Kadri's wow. wing. nice shot. That was a yeah. good pronunciation. So having him on the wing for Kadri, you have the players around them. You have Huberdo, you have Tyler Toffoli. And that's the thing, like, you have the offense now, but Calgary's biggest strength is their defense. You added Uyghur, you have Hannafin, you have um, Clinton will be on your third pairing. You have goaltending with Ladar and Markstrom. It's, it's And there. they added
0: some glue guys. A guy right. like Kevin Rooney is going to come in and he's going to score eight. I think we could see Kevin Rooney and that team get eight to ten goals. And I think playing, you know, playing alongside a guy like Lucic, that'll free him up a little bit. Rooney, obviously, you know, we have a little bit more, I know a little bit more about just growing up in Rhode Island. I watched him play a lot of Providence and he, I mean, he, he, he's a grinder. Don't get me wrong, but he does have some talent to him. I think that he'll do, he'll do okay in that system. I would expect him to play 60 to 55, 60 games and be a guy who fills in and makes, makes some noise when he plays. Right.
1: That's the thing. It's just, they're, they have the depth all of a sudden. They're good. They're good throughout that roster. It's balanced. You have guys that have their roles too, like you saying, Rooney, Lucic on the bottom. But then you have your goal scorers up top. And it's going to be very interesting. I think they're taking the step to, um, to definitely battle and show Edmonton up. That's
0: that's a great segue that you just said, the balance, the depth. Connor, do you think that the Flames are actually more balanced now? than they were before actually i'll let i'll let kev you can you look like you're ready to go kev
1: do you think they're more balanced i do um like it's hard yeah because you had a good defense last year your defense got even better so but yeah it was that like you had that top line You it's, top line, yeah. 300 point scores like so i know but now it's like now you have Kadri on the second a guy that just came off 87 points you have Maggi Apani, who's had 30 goals. So now you have it. Huberto comes in, he had 100 points. So now you have 200-point players. They're definitely
0: not worse, right? Like, it's hard right. to be like, oh, this team's worse. Yeah. I just – I really don't. I mean, if I – I actually think I'm going to put a future on the Flames. I really do. Like, it, they're they're in a spot to be a good team, and there's just no questions about it. Um, I, I'm actually really excited to watch them play. They're going to be a different style of a team. I think it's going to be more of, like, hard-grinding hockey but right. that's and what I, Suter wants. Like, they, they built this team to be perfect for Daryl Suter. And they just they, – they built them the right way. Like, I really – I think the Flames are going to be in the Western Conference Finals and they're going to lose to Colorado. Unless Colorado gets hurt, major injuries, something – Colorado is still very much so a wagon.
1: I don't think right.
0: anyone would disagree
1: with that. And you get Huberdo and Uyghur that they have the playoff experience that they can bring in there and help balance that out for a lot of these guys.
0: The playoff experience has in losing, but...
1: Right, but they're still <laughs> there. They've been in the moment. It's... Yeah, so I don't know.
0: I don't think that's where they bring their value to Calgary, but I mean, it's fine. It definitely
1: helps, but...
0: I guess, yeah, you'd always rather guys who have gotten their clocks cleaned
1: in the playoffs than guys who have never played in it, so... Exactly, back. they they had something to win for it. They're like, "Hey, we've been here. We're sick of losing. Let's try to change that." Yeah. New team, fresh start.
0: Well, it's fair. All fair points. I think we jump right into the next thing out west. Now that we're starting on our, our wild wild west swing here, Vegas signed Phil Castle Connor. Do you? What do you think Vegas sees in Castle? And what does Castle bring to Vegas?
2: I think Other than that... some
0: good Nathan's hot dogs.
2: I think that they see Phil Kessel as a really cheap way to score some goals from the wing. You have to remember that they traded away Evgeny Dadanoff, who was actually pretty good for Vegas last year, strictly for cap purposes. And then they traded away Max Pacioretty. And then shortly after, they found out that Robin Lehner Leonard was going to be out for the season, and they suddenly found themselves with a bunch of cap space. Well, what do you do to address what you just did? You traded away a bunch of goals for absolutely nothing. Literally nothing to help you on your roster. So you have to go out and address that need. And that's exactly what they did on a cheap deal with Phil the Thrill, who I think could be electric in Vegas. He will
0: be. He will be electric in Vegas. I still think they're worse. Like, I don't think Vegas is better this year. Vegas has gotten worse every year since their first year by adding star players it's a concept like no other it's a concept that you see if you play in like an nhl video game right it's something that you learn that if you just fill your team up with stars and you trade away loyal players and guys who want to be there you don't win games it's just that simple you need the right culture and vegas vegas has a culture problem
2: you you want to know what's really wild like if you look at their roster you're struggling to find players that they've drafted.
0: They don't draft and develop. How would they? They don't. They don't have. They don't have a system in place.
2: Yeah, I mean the <laughs> two solid players that they had drafted that Tony they ended up trading away. Well, I wasn't even thinking about him. I was thinking about Nick Suzuki, you no, know, yeah. being traded to Montreal, then Eric Brandstrom, I believe it was being traded to Ottawa in the Stone trade.
0: Yep. Hey, he was the centerpiece of that trade, right?
2: Persever. Yeah. It's I mean... Just,
0: yeah, I mean, Vegas has just played... They've tried to play chess, not checkers, but they've made too many moves. And I, I think, think that
2: if you take injuries out of the equation last year, they were the ones playing Colorado in the Western Conference Final, in my opinion. They were yeah. extremely good.
0: Yeah, they were. I mean, they have... Listen, the team that has Petri Angelo anchoring the back end, has Robin Leonard in goal, and has Jack Eichel up front with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, healthy? That team is very, very good. And they're not just very good in the regular season. They're built for hard hockey. But so, they just they just keep – Things go wrong. Someone gets hurt. They make the wrong moves. They make weird moves. But – and I, I had this conversation with my dad yesterday. We talked about kind of the place that Vegas is in and how they have a culture problem. Bruce Cassidy is a culture problem. Bruce Cassidy is going to come in there and shock these guys into a Bruins mentality. Will it work? I don't know, but you know that he's in there and he's helping fix the culture right now. I, I do think Bruce is a guy who can come in and can be loved by players and make a good impact for a few years. I think he's a guy who can't, it, it, his message went dry in Boston, and I don't know if that would happen again in Vegas, but I just I think he will be an impact coach right off the bat. So that should be helpful, but does he have the right pieces?
2: I mean, look at their roster. For goaltending, you know, they don't have squat right now with Robin Leonard being down for the count. The back end, I think you have three core pieces, which are more than sufficient in Petrangelo, Shea Theodore, yeah. and Alec Martinez.
0: Yep, that's a solid three.
2: Then up front, you still have um, Riley Smith, Marchessault, and uh, Carlson. Then you have Stone, <clears throat> Eichel, maybe Phil Castle, Waugh. Yep, he would be. I assume centering the third line. But yeah. then after yeah. that, you know, without having looked at rosters, you know, basically in over a month. I'm kind of fuzzy on what no, they're those okay, compare. man.
0: I mean, so like their their first line is expected to be Eichel with Marchessault so and Stone. Second line Carlson with Brett Howden and Riley Smith. Third line Wah with Stevenson or Carrier and Kessel. It's really not like that team's not that bad. It's when you really look at it, it's like, ah, uh, well, there is some talent there. I they're kind of weak down the center. Like I don't think William Carlson is as good as he was he played in that one year. And then I mean. Like, I mean, last year he was a 35 point player. It's not exactly, you know, it's not what you love But I don't know how many did he play the whole season, though? No, I really don't follow Vegas very closely because they, they play so late. That's the problem with a lot of them. Like, I watch them on a yeah. can. But, like, for us on the East Coast, it's, just, it's tough to be, like, staying up on a Tuesday to watch Vegas play to one the morning.
2: That's where I kind of get, like, you know, a little bit spoiled. Yeah. And, you know, I'm an, an hour way. behind, so it's somewhat easier to watch, like, the first period or two before I'm like, all right, I got to go to bed. I'm dying. Yeah. yeah, I know. But, yeah, I mean, Vegas, they'll be there. I mean. Yeah,
0: Carlson played 67 games. He had 35 points. It's not exactly second-line center numbers but it's not too far off really in today's NHL. I mean, it, it the way we're moving and scoring so high that yeah, it's really not great numbers for what they need out of them. Yeah.
2: But of course, when you have people who are hurt and they're coming in and out of the lineup constantly, it's hard to, you know, keep chemistry and line combinations, et cetera. so like I said, <laughs> you know, take health out of the equation and I think they were you know, first or second in the Pacific Division. And now with all the moves that the Flames have made, the Oilers have made some moves. Now Vegas has made, you know, a couple different moves, not always, you know, additions, but the Pacific Division is... Seattle.
0: Seattle's coming. Uh, it's going to be a bit,
2: but they're coming. Maybe in a couple Baneer, of years. Listen,
0: in two to three years, Benares and Shane Wright are going to be a problem. They have some young talent there. Like, those guys are going to be stars. That is going to be their McKinnon and Rantanen. I'm telling you. That, that, like, it, those two are going to be good. There's no question about it. I mean, what was – Panair scored 10 points in 10 games when he got in the NHL last year, didn't he? Something like that. It was pretty – I mean – I don't recall. You. But either way, I mean, that team has some talent. The West is good. And we have a guy who is going to be moving around from out West. I think. We think he's going to be on the move. I'll let you start this one, Connor. Mr. Showtime Patrick Kane. Sounds like he's given a list.
2: Yeah, so just kind of following some of the the reporting, the rumors, whatever you'd like to call it. um, It sounds like Patrick Kane has sort of narrowed down to three teams that he would accept a trade to who have moderate interest in him. You know, according to the likes of Elliot Friedman, Darren Dreger. One being the Maple Leafs, which I was personally surprised about. Um, Two being the Edmonton Oilers. And it's super early in the morning, and I'm forgetting the third one off the top of my head. I know Kevin. New York Rangers. New York Rangers. How could I forget? Kane
0: would look good in New York. Kane would look good in any one of those jerseys. He would be. You put Patrick Kane on the first line at any of those three teams and oh my, is he going to be re-energized? And I think the point that was holding you up a bit with the Leafs was like, how are they going to make it fit? And then, I mean, obviously credit where it's due. I didn't even think about this, but um, Merrick and Elliot Friedman talked about it on 32 thoughts. They said this trade will most likely include three teams. It'll be Chicago where Kane's going and another team who's going to get sauce to pick to take some book to retain more salary. So I think there'll be two teams retaining Kane's salary, which makes him a very tradable asset to these teams that are making pushes for the Stanley cup. It also means his value goes way up. If you know, you're going to get Patrick Kane in a low cap hit going into the playoffs. These guys are going to do it. Even though, I mean, he's unrestricted after this year, correct? Yes. Yeah. Here's the deal. These, most of these teams probably know like get Kane into one of these situations if, if Kane gets to go play with Matthews, if Kane gets to go play with McDavid, if Kane gets to go play, I think with Alexi Lafreniere and Panarin, again, he's going to resign. So I, I think there's a good chance, like, it's just whoever lands Kane and puts him in a situation again where he's having fun playing hockey and he's with other stud players, I think it's a safe bet to resign. I, I think that some people forget that Patrick Kane is, as much as he's a fun player to watch and he I was a loose personality when he was young, Patrick Kane is a driven winner and he wants to win. There's no doubt about that. Patrick Kane doesn't like losing. He's not. That's where he's not Phil Kessel. Like, he's not just going to go play anywhere and just and accept defeat. He's gone out and worked his balls off and still been a dominant player on a terrible Chicago team.
1: I, I yeah, agree.
2: and, I mean, that's why I kind of, you know, don't understand the the Toronto Maple Leafs aspect here. <laughs> For multiple reasons. Like, one, his fit on the team. It is weird. You know, it, it's weird in that dynamic with all of the other top players there. Obviously, there's a hole on the first two lines that he could play with. But that's three Who falls superstars. off the power play? Though? Who falls off the power play? That's another good question. Like what, you know, Patty Kane's
0: on. not on PP1? No.
2: Like what? Two, the other thing for me here is there's a lack of connections for him on that team you know compared to the rangers where you yeah. have artemi panarin who he had a lot of chemistry with and you know they were kind of fricking frock for a little while and then in edmonton duncan keith is there Nope, he transitioned in, into a uh, front office oh, position really? with the oh, team. Right. Yes. Oh, really? Right. Oh, yeah. nice. So you that. know, there's familiarity there, and him being with the organization, him being able to say, "Hey, and you know, McDavid. this is what it is." McDavid,
0: you know, I don't know if you're going to bring that up, but Connor McDavid plays on that team. And if imagine you put, if you put Patrick Kane next to Connor McDavid.
2: Yeah, but listen he, to this; it he would gets maybe break
0: records in his late 30s.
2: You could have Connor McDavid flanked by the Canes.
0: In God, would they be good?
2: <laughs> There'd be so
0: much speed and talent, and then Evander would just be protecting them and shooting rockets into the top shelf. My God, if that, if that was to happen, I would exclusively use that team in NHL. It would just be like, they, that team, beats Colorado. If you add Patrick Kane to that team, it beats Colorado. It's, Patrick Kane is going to be the best player we've seen moved in the last five years. Like mm-hmm. Pat, it's, I think people have forgotten how good Patrick Kane still is. I really do. And how much of an impact player he is. He, any team he goes to that's currently a contender now becomes almost a favorite. It, he is that good.
2: Now right? let me ask you Am a I question. Wrong?
0: Am I wrong in that thinking?
2: You know what? I'm not going to interrupt this. I'm going to ask it afterwards. But can't you argue that Matthew Kachuk and Jonathan Huberto are arguably the best talented players that have gotten traded recently. Patrick Kane isn't what he used to be, in my opinion. He had 92 points last year
0: on in 78 games on Chicago, Connor. We don't watch him enough for you to say that.
2: I'm and telling I even live in Illinois, that's matters. I'm telling
0: you, he had 92 points on Chicago last year.
2: Maybe it's the just last, because I his really His last 81-game season,
0: he had 110 points three years ago. <laughs> He had eighty four in in the two. He had sixty six and eighty four in the shortened seasons. His last two full seasons are one ten and ninety two. Fair. He's Checkmate. so good. Checkmate. Yeah, he's he's, he's thirty three, but it it doesn't it I don't it doesn't matter. Like so
2: then, let me ask you this: with him being that crazy good, that much experience, you know the cup rings. What do you think they're asking for oh God, for Patrick Kane know. at fifty percent retained? I, I don't know.
0: Like, it has to be two first round picks, a prospect, and a player. But maybe, but it's not the going rate right now. It, it's to. It's going to be like an Eichel deal. But it, it, even Eichel still has more value in the like long. You know what I mean? In the long run, yeah. I think it's going to be. It's going to be a first. They're getting a first round pick. That's for sure. It's going to have to be a roster player because. Cap. cap floor exists. And, and that's where I think it starts
2: up. to get crazy, you know, with the cheese whiz. Like if that roster player is just a cap dump player, you're having to add a little extra into the package. Like from, yeah. from Edmonton, I heard that, you know, the package could potentially be like a first round pick, a second round pick, either Kyler Yamamoto or Yessi pull yarvi And then another like grade A prospect. Yeah. Like a first and a second round pick. Okay. Pull Yarvey. And then, you know, one of your blue chip prospects. Whew. That's a haul.
0: Yeah, it is. And it, um, but it's what fixes Colorado's franchise. They can't get rid of Patrick Kane without the final stamp on this rebuild. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they they made some good picks. They started to rebuild this team this year, obviously. With
2: they made some to good it. moves.
0: They made good moves. The rebuild has is fully underway. You're going to get a second or a third round pick for Taves at the trade deadline, I would assume, or before. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to turn that into a guy who's going to be a roster player. Obviously, they're a couple years late on trading Taves, and obviously he was sick and things like that hurt his value. a bit. unless he comes out, he's on fire to start of the year. Because if – but he has no-movement clause. So there's just – there's no way that he's going to go to a not – like they could get a first out of, of I think, some teams. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what those are going to be the teams he wants to go to. You know what I mean? I just don't – I don't know like what – I just don't see them getting a first for Caves. I really don't. Yeah. I think Kane is going to be the final stamp on this rebuild that sets it all forward. I, and it has to be. It just has to be.
2: And I was thinking about this the other day now seems like the perfect time in the nhl climate to be needing and wanting to rebuild because yeah. you're in this, you know, basically flat salary cap world where some of these call. where some of these players being moved are on really cheap contracts because of how old they are and you're able to get so much more in return for these players yeah. just because everybody's completely strapped for cap
0: yeah. And Where
2: in a couple of years when the cap goes up, you know, $10 plus million plus I don't know what, you know, uh, an NHL trade deadline is really going to look like at that point. That's going to be interesting.
0: I think we have, so next year, um, I think we're going to look at 3 to $4 million jump. Year after that, another one like that. And then I think that third year will finally hit the big, that big jump. But the yeah. the NHL has spoken multiple times in the last couple months. They're actually above where they thought they were gonna be in profitability and how much money's coming in. They last year was really successful. So
2: it should help. Yeah, I mean all of that is phenomenal for the game. And it seems like, you know, as much as everybody likes to say that they hate Gary Bettman and they boo him. Like the booing for me is almost, you know, just nostalgia at this point. Gary Bettman has done a lot for the good of the actual game as far as making the business side of this game progress and be able to move forward towards the other major leagues in the United States. He has.
0: It's taken him more time than you'd like to see, but he's made some good calls throughout the way. Where Gary's obviously faltered is. Things like sexual assault, things like that. He might not be the most elite at that stuff, but as a businessman, I do agree. I think he's done a good job. He's no Adam Silver, but he's done a good job. Kev, we haven't heard from you in a bit, buddy. I know you're a little, a little chatted out right now, but how um K- King Anything on that before I jump to the next topic?
1: You like uh, I guy, think you guys. Yeah, I don't think he's good. I'm in full agreement with you. And. I think you guys hit all the points. It's Wherever he goes, it's he's going to make that team that much better. It's, he's the final piece, and some of these teams need to get over that hump in the playoffs, and just going to have to wait and see how it goes.
0: All right, I'm good with that. We're going to leave the West, spend a lot of time there. We're going to get into the East. We're going top. We're going bottom up this, this podcast. We're reversing the order. We're going to jump into the salt of the East. And we really only have one team to talk about here other than our beloved Boston Bruins, the New York Islanders. Connor, what is what? how do you feel about the Islanders right now? What do you think Lou's doing?
2: An absolute dumpster fire, first and foremost. Everybody knows that I am a huge New York Islanders critic, but Lou Lamarillo seems like he's kind of lost a step Compared to some other NHL general managers, he was rumored to be in on Johnny Gaudreau. Lost out on that, obviously, with Gaudreau going to the Blue Jackets. Then it turned to Nazem Kadri. It seemed like you know a perfect fit. Uh, Lou had him in Toronto. Now had the opportunity to bring him to the island again. Couldn't make the cap space work. Obviously Calgary paid a pretty hefty price to get rid of Sean Monahan. And he couldn't make the cap work for Kadri. That seemed like a huge swing and a miss where, you know, now all we see is basically they signed RFAs. They really didn't sign any action on the UFA market. And I saw Kevin perk up a little bit here. It seems like he's got it's yeah, about. that was. What I was
1: reading this morning. Kadri came out and talked about his why he signed in Calgary, and he left three million on the table for the Islanders deal. He was talking about, but he went to Calgary because he saw it as a place that he can win now, just like Colorado. It was more of he wanted to win instead of just taking that extra three million, three and a half million to go play for a team that he didn't know how the team would be, but he knew in Calgary has what Colorado has. They have the ability to win now, win down the line, and to sustain winning. And that played a lot into Kadri's decision to choose Calgary over New York.
2: I just became a Nazem Codri fan because he believes the New York Islanders
1: aren't shit. Yeah. He's like, I'd rather take less, <laughs> less money and win than play in the dumpster fire.
2: Yeah, I... I said it
0: last week. I'll say it again. The Islanders just move zero needles for me. Zero needles. I. Blue tried to build them into a 1995 hockey team, and it's just not quite working. Like, I, I think Barzell's double the player that we get to watch him be because he gets stuck in the shit system and this defensive hockey that doesn't win. At this point, I, I don't like defensive hockey wins great. Like, if you have like top end guys who get to go and play top end hockey, like how the Blues and Bruins kind of played defensive hockey or did in their greatest moments, the Islanders, I get it, right? The Islanders were in the Eastern Conference finals two years ago in that like fake COVID hockey season, but still, I they just don't, they're not it. They're, just they're not, not it. it, it's that they're, they're not, not
2: in the least bit.
0: That's all I have to say about the Islanders. So let's get off that topic before I get sick. Um, let's jump into the big news, something that I'm super excited about. The 2024 yes. World Cup of Hockey was announced, and it's in partnership with the NHL, PA, and IHF. I think we're going to get a World Cup of Hockey with best-on-best best hockey again, and it's going to happen in February. So right in the middle of the hockey season, it's going like to be cold. February yeah, 2024. It's going to be cold. Yeah, I said 2024 to start, I think. I hope. It's going to be cold. There's going to be hockey on the TV. We're going to have hot cocos. Maybe we'll put a little Bailey's in our hot cocos. We're going to sit there. And we're going to watch the World Cup of hockey, and that is going to be awesome. Do
2: I we mean, know where it's going to take place? It is two years away. We might be able to go there. And I Boston. would like. I would like to go.
0: I would. I, I want to. If it's in, it's going to be in the United States.
2: Um, I believe they're going to have, if what I remember is correct, they're going to have like a North American kind of contingent and then a European and then kind of do like a, a round Robin to work up towards like a championship style um, yeah. game.
0: I, I'd, I'll i be going to a game if it's in the Northeast. I'm sure if they're going to be in North America, they're probably be in the Northeast, let's be honest. Hockey, hockey hub of America. But yeah, no, that'd be, I'm excited. I'm excited. What does it mean you guys get to watch best on best hockey again? It's been so long.
2: It's been what? I mean, Probably since Sochi. the last, no, Sochi. probably since the last World Cup. It was, yeah, more recent than Sochi. Yeah. The, I, when they know. had Team North America, it was right, right. after Adam
0: scored the golden goal.
2: Yeah. I mean, part of me gets excited for, you know, best on best hockey, kind of like the Olympics or a World Cup. But at the same time, I don't invest as much of my heart and soul into rooting for those teams, so it really doesn't, you know, affect me either way. Like if Team USA loses and they're out of the tournament, eh, whatever.
1: On I to the disagree.
0: next. I will be full blown waving my American flag, rooting for Team USA.
1: Face painted, red white. Like and blue. I, I Let's love. Go.
0: I watch every. I watch every Olympic hockey game for women and men. In at all the odd times like i watch i love i love watching team usa play hockey no matter what one thing i don't know if we really want to touch on it much i don't know if team russia will be playing in that tournament in the nhlpa and nhl haven't even decided if they're going to let there be a russian athletes team that was talked about a little bit on what podcast was that was it
2: on 32 thoughts 32 thoughts i started listening to it a little bit this morning as uh I ran younger. to the gas station to uh, grab my my monster to keep me alive this morning. And yeah, it's it, it's not sounding good for the Russian athletes. There's probably going to be, yeah, they're probably going to be on the outside looking in, unfortunately. Which you know, do I feel bad for some of these players? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do I feel bad for somebody like Alexander Ovechkin, who's a huge Putin supporter? No. Absolutely not. Nope. But to make a statement, you have to make a statement. So I completely yeah. get it.
0: If the NHL is gonna make their statement in that way that we want peace as a world and as a, you know, a world organization, yep. Yep. I mean, we're not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against it. Surely not. We're not a big politics podcast but we are a human podcast so i think yeah no i um i think i can fully get behind the nhl and whatever choice they make with this really like yeah it, i mean if I mean, hey Betman, 2024 things can be different right if gary Butman
2: thinks you're that much of an asshole you're probably an asshole
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that like i mean yeah i don't exactly think i mean hopefully he's not like listening in and gonna shoot us for this but If we die tomorrow, you guys know why. Putin Putin's a confirmed asshole. (laughs) I guess we'll just kind of leave that at that. That's the World Cup of Hockey.
2: (laughs) With that, we turn to the best segment of the podcast.
0: The Boston Bruins and the Dirty Water. Obviously we saved the segment for last because there's not that much Bruins news going on. They really haven't done anything since our last podcast where we talked about everything they did, but we did get to watch some of the prospects play. Um, I watched a couple games for Riley Duran. I watched two games for Lysel. They played at world juniors. They looked good, right? I mean, how do you, Kevin, I know you've gotten deep into Lysel. Talk about, him. talk about how you feel about Lizel's tournament and just where you project him going. Maybe even this year, like, where do you think we're going to watch Lysel play this year?
1: Yeah, so I think that's the big question everyone's asking. You watch Lysel come into the tournament and it was all great. He showed off his playmaking, his shooting, his ability to be the one that takes the puck into the zone, not get knocked off, go into corners. This guy really showed a lot, like his skill, his speed, his skating, to make those sharp turns and everything to like dodge in the way of players and just Put, run circles around other players. But that's the big thing. It's He's playing against, what, 19, 20-year-olds? It's not the NHL. Year. Yeah. So that's like the biggest problem. Um, training camp is going to play a big role in deciding what where Lysel will end up at the beginning of the season. I would love to see Lysel get an opportunity, at least. I know a lot of people are saying he's still small. He's, what, 5'10"? 5'11", 100. like
0: 189, 185. Yeah, 185, 185
1: so. like that. But it's like, look at Charlie Goodell, making him thrive. Like, small people, you're fast and you're tough. Guess what? Yeah. You can play. So I think I just giving him a size. Yeah, but that's, like, that's the biggest thing people are saying, that he needs to bulk up more. But it's like, you can't wait. If he has the skill to play, especially with the injuries, Give him. I'm not saying have him play 50 games, but give the guy, like, 10, 15, 20 games in the beginning just to see if he's ready. It's not going to destroy his development. It's just going to be it's going to tell you where he is at the moment. In worst cases, you go down to Providence, he plays down there, continues to light up, light up the a- AHL, and then get ready for next year. But I definitely think he deserves a chance if he's a strong training camp to show what he's got for his organization. Finally be happy about a prospect, Finally, really, like, us—we oh, actually did something right for once. But I hope so. Um, what about you, Connor? What are you thinking? So,
2: for me, I think what excites me the most because I don't want to jump on the train of, you know, drawing the lines to David Posternock and how he came up with the Bruins. For me, it's more of a when you watch Lysel play he dominates players his own age. So in my mind, I'm looking at this, when he gets into the NHL, he's going to dominate those early 20-year-olds in the league. He's going to be a player that can impact your team, like a Jake DeBrusque, a David Pasternak, a Charlie McAvoy. He'll be able to dominate his own age group, and I think that bodes well going into the future. Whether he becomes a superstar or not, he's obviously going to be a very serviceable NHL player from what everybody's looking at now.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're wrong with anything you just said. Um, I think he... All right, let's just, let's just look at how EA Sports projects him. i um, playing NHL franchise mode. I'm in 2030. They have him as the second highest goal scorer in the NHL right now he's an overall he's a 90 overall player. So, I traded him. But he plays for Calgary. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see the stud though. So, I mean, even like his it's yeah, I think he's going to be a good player. I think it's that simple. Uh, Riley Duran, um he he's been surprising. He really has. He's been super surprising. I didn't really know anything about him coming into when he was drafted then he was a local kid and you know this that watched him play a couple times at PC I was very surprised at not not like very I just didn't know who he was really right so he's good when he made Team USA that's another eye opener when you watched him play it was another eye opener he's hard working he has a shot he's a decent skater and he will grind I think he is a future mid bottom six middle six type player yeah, it's probably he's probably a bottom six player in reality. But I do think he's a guy who comes in and can be a decent player in the NHL. I really do. I mean it's he's better than like just watching him at this age, like thinking about like other guys. Like he's better than how like a Nola Chari was in college, things like that. Like he and Noel's made an NHL career. Just kinda of trying to compare my brain, like watching him at PC, watching Noel at PC. He he's good. Like Riley Duran's good and I think he's going to be a player, and that was a good pick. You guys watch him at all or anything on that? If not, I mean, no, it's not a
1: – Oh, yeah, hey, no, I watch him. Um, especially being on a fourth-line role, he was scoring. Like, yeah, he, he makes plays. an impact. Yeah, so it was something exciting because it's like we well, don't see these guys when they're playing like, in the WHLs. They're playing in college. You don't really follow them. So it's nice when you have these tournaments where it's being televised nationally, Around the world, like see the guys that you normally don't get a chance, and I was like, "Oh shit, we have that guy." He's yeah, and good.
0: it's not like like again, he was on their fourth line, but when right. he was on the ice, he made an impact. He's like an energy guy. He was out there. And he oh was yeah, making he was like getting time. like
1: to have two assist games or two yeah. goal games. It was it,
0: it, it wasn't he wasn't playing on their first line with Thomas Bordalo and these first round picks. Like that, that wasn't the way it was going. You know what I mean? That's not. Yeah, yeah, but he made the team and he didn't look out of place. So I mean, that was that was great to see.
1: Even Dan, what is his name? Dan's Lock, Lockness, whatever his name is, the guy for, uh... I know it was the other Bruins. Yeah, I have he looked good he too. Yeah, yeah he didn't I didn't, do
0: bad. I have no idea who he is, so I'm not even gonna act like I do. Yeah, I think he's like a 6'2 six, two, six, two center. And it's good stats. I, the Bruins should take all the centers, all the centers, and then just yeah. put them all in a pot, and hopefully one of them rises to the top. That's really – Sleep
2: S- – go to sleep with pictures of Patrice around under your pillow.
0: Just hope to God maybe somebody <laughs> de- can go with her. The next and really only last like Bruins thing we have is we have heard that there's some mutual interest with Calgary in Bruins, which obviously everyone knows, but with some specific players, right? We know the Bruins are interested in Lucic and we know Calgary's interested in Craig Smith. I actually heard that there has been a point in this offseason where the Bru- the Bruins pretty much had a done deal for Greg Smith and it just didn't go through. There was a hitch with something at some point or some compensation, something like that. And it didn't go through. So the Bruins have been actively trying to trade Smith and we're just going to have to kind of wait and see what happens. There's only so many spots in that top nine and with, I think the Bruins urge to get Stanika in the lineup, get Frederick playing in a more solidified role. Pavel Zaka is going to be there when this team's healthy. There's going to be an odd man out, and I think it could be Craig Smith. As much as I like Craig Smith, and if he's on the Bruins, I fully support him. I'll be happy he's there. I think it might be him. How do you guys feel about that one?
2: Um, I can see it, yes, be- from a money perspective. But if you, if you throw that out the window, I think the actual odd man out would probably be Thomas Nosek. Because Correct. Craig I Smith, didn't think of that. You're
0: right. You're definitely Craig
2: Smith right. could still play on a fourth line role with how he plays. <sighs> and still make, you know, an impact. He's physical. He's a fourth four checker to the
0: player, though. It's like he's not a fourth line player. But the Bruins it do is. roll their fourth line. The Bruins fourth lines play more than a lot of team fourth lines historically. Under Cassidy, under, under Cassidy and under Julian, Ronnie Rubbles, whatever, yeah, Rubles.
2: Always was the shutdown line. Yeah, Which, you know, Craig Smith being a a quote-unquote, you know, scoring winger, which he really hasn't shown too much of in Boston, to be honest. Uh, He is just an absolute animal when it comes to shooting the puck, which I think you like. You know, in your bottom six, especially your fourth line, you know, being able to grind and put shots on net is kind of an important thing. You know, death by a million cuts, if you will. But... Craig Smith just kind of seems like the perfect person to trade out because of his contract. He's got one year left at 3 million. He makes a significant impact, you know, in your potential top 6 because I do believe he has that talent. Yeah, he does. So, you know, I mean, honestly, it's probably between him and Mike Riley if you're looking for like a straight up cap dump or both. Or yeah, or both. I mean, The rumors that we've been hearing with Milan Lucic out there—he's about a six million dollar cap hit. You know, you could potentially trade both to Calgary and just wash the money. Would Calgary be happy with another depth defenseman and a scoring winger? Yeah, probably.
0: I just think it's almost like we're not getting enough back if we trade all the contracts. No, we're done. I think we need to get a pick, a third or fourth round pick back with Lucic for that. It's just, I mean, really, if you really look at it, like Craig Smith at this point in his career is a better player than Lucic.
2: Absolutely. And we're not just going to give away Mike Riley rally for
0: nothing. So, like, it's just we'd have to get a little something back, and I think that's probably what's holding the deal up in a way. Lucic, we love what he's going to bring to Boston and, like, the protection of our players and the fact that he can still score and he can still go stand in front of the net. And he, can, he can do things that you want.
2: Yeah, I mean, from but the Craig Smith perspective – this is a terrible trade to be making. 100%. You are yeah. getting worse by trading either one of those players away for Milan Lucic. But it might be the
0: kind of worse that's the right fit to make you better.
2: Maybe, but maybe I mean, no,
0: maybe. Yeah, no. We wouldn't know until we saw.
2: Milan Lucic is also not going to be playing with the same, you know, folks that he was playing with many moons ago. You know, he's going to be he's with get to
0: play with Krejci and Horan.
2: App. Well, I mean, maybe Krejci and Pasternak or Krejci and Hall, but no, what I mean really is, no way. you know, the culture in the bottom six of this team is much different from what it was when Lucic was a part of this group.
0: Yeah, there's no more meat sticks down there.
2: No, I mean, he they didn't have
0: Sean Thornton, like just out there dominating people's faces.
2: And the last, you know, real person who played that role was Chris Wagner. And they sent him and his suitcase to Providence. So,
0: but he did finish in Boston.
2: He finished he, in Boston. He in the
0: I, I, but it's just not like there's just the Bruins have signed guys. They have started to develop some guys. It doesn't make sense for us to have these middle aging, yeah, bottom six players. It just you can't start to progress into a retool if you don't develop the guys at the NHL level who are ready to play at the NHL level. It's that. That's the
2: only reason why a two for one makes sense for me. Correct. Because it opens Because up you're spot. opening up a roster spot.
0: Uh, that's the only way I see it. That's the only way I see it as applicable. It's because you're opening up a spot for one of these guys to play hockey.
2: Now, when we talk about, you know, bringing people up, drafting and developing, let me ask you this. Cause I was thinking about this while you were talking about Lysel and Duran. Over the past decade, decade, what top 6 talent have the Bruins really drafted and developed?
0: Pasta, Marshall. Yep.
2: That's Debrusque. over a decade. Over, right?
0: Okay, that's why I knew it. I was like I'm a – Um Pasta. So, if we're going yeah, cuz most of them were outside the decade. Top 6, we're not going to count defensemen, we're not So this is men. like
2: year after Stanley Cup till present. Okay, year after so Stanley present. Top pasta, six. Pasta, Nebraska.
0: Pasta, Nebraska. Jesus. That's it. Now, defenseman, yeah. top, top
2: two, top four. I don't know. McAvoy,
0: Grizzly, Carlo. McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo, Tori Krug. They've done good with that. They've done good with that. That's four.
2: I mean, you really well, can't. I mean, yeah. Tori Krug. To be fair, when we say draft, he was and undrafted free. Up, was an unsigned. But that's area. I count that. I count that. Okay, fair. They did it all. That defensively,
0: they've been okay. Like really, you can't really be like
2: so exactly. Like you've got a top four defensive unit, but that all and two wingers.
0: Yeah, yeah Ouch. no centers. No centers is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. There's no yep. because they drafted. I mean, they reach for Zach Shenishim. They reach for him. That was a problem. You know, I do think that we're going to end up looking at 2015 in a different light after this season, finally. Because I think Zboril is going to have a strong year, and I think so is DeBrusk. And we're going to say, okay, we I did think get Zaborle some players
2: we could potentially be including in the top four defensemen that the Bruins have drafted in the last I do. decade.
0: I really do. I He think still Zaborle, has the potential. He was the top three most talented defensemen in that draft he showed flashes last year of top four defensemen before he was hurt and i think for the first time he has the confidence in himself and the feeling that he's wanted in boston and i think we're going to see a really good year out of him i really do i just listened to him talk about how rewarded he felt with them giving him a contract after he got hurt and he just said it made him want to work that much harder like to get back and be good and i mean the guys are there. Like you want to see what it takes to be a top defenseman in the NHL. Look at Charlie McAvoy. Look at Hampus Lindholm, who we're just forgetting we have. Right, and the Bruins' decor with a top four to start the year of. Yeah, I, it's honestly, it's going to be Lindholm. What's it going to be? Lindholm Zaborsl. That's what I was you know? just thinking. Orbert?
2: Like, Lindholm Zaborsl. Yeah, it's, it's probably what be... it is. A it's going to be fine
0: to start the year. It's going to be fine. The Bruins. It's so weird because the Bruins have the depth to stay in the playoff picture and skate along. Then yeah. you get McAvoy and Marshawn back, and you make your push. And
2: so you I get think Grisla that push is going
0: to come first. Yeah, you will. You will. If, I think that push is going to come right at the Winter Classic. Yeah. I think from the Winter, the Winter Classic is going to be the springboard for the Bruins to go out, have a hell of a team building experience, beat the penguins into the ground with Kevin and I sitting five rows back yelling,
1: let's go baby.
0: And I think it's going to set the tone for the remainder of the Bruins season and we go on to eventually win the Stanley cup. Um, But I think that's, I think I'll leave it with that Homer take. I think we wrap this thing up. I actually do want to give a couple bets. So we're going to reintroduce our lucky ducks section of this podcast and we're going to give a couple plays coming up for this season. So uh, FanDuel had released some updated odds for the, some, some futures. So obviously if you didn't jump on Calgary before they got Codry and before they got all these guys, I think they are probably like plus 2,600. They're now still sitting at plus 2,000. I love Calgary at plus 2000. I would bet on Calgary at plus 2000. I would take a look at the Bruins at plus 2500. As much as I don't think they're going to win a Stanley Cup, it wouldn't hurt to put 10 bucks on them to win 250 if they were to catch fire and go on a run. Another team that I really like at their value is the Lightning. They're plus 1200. I mean, the Lightning are still the Lightning. As much as I argued that I didn't think they would, didn't think they're going to. Be back in the Stanley Cup. They still have the best goalie in the world. And 1200 is good money. And then it, it you'd be stupid like if you're gonna if you're gonna sprinkle the board with ten dollar bets, right? Let's just say ten dollar bets you can sprinkle the board with. You can make you can make it's plus one thousand right now on Cal-
1: on what am I trying to say? Carolina. Carolina. Plus one thousand. My favorite right here is Edmonton plus sixteen, plus sixteen hundred. Yeah, that was my final one. And, and if they get Kane, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. That's gonna jump. That, was, that was my final one. Like there just,
0: there's great value on the board. Like it, really, there's great value on the board for futures for the NHL right now. The only team that isn't great value is Colorado. Is plus four fifty. Don't place futures on teams that are under plus one thousand. It's like just, just give yourself a little juice. Do or, do, or do we have any
2: future odds for? teams to not make the playoffs because that's where I not am. Like, yet. Gangster. Not
1: yet. I mean, Arizona's plus 25,000.
2: Hell
0: yeah. Have. Put a good old hundo on them.
1: Oh my God. That'd be so. Yo,
2: cool. wouldn't that be wild? Timeout. Wouldn't that be fucking wild to see Stanley Cup playoffs games played in a 5,000 seat arena at ASU? That'd be crazy. <laughs> that'd
0: be cool.
1: What's he called? The mullet arena? It costs the like four or
0: Gs or. to go to the game because there'd be demand. But because the other, because if it's the Stanley Cup, then the other team's fans, no matter what, it'd be the other team's How much
2: fans? do you want to bet that they would make them play elsewhere? They would like, there's be like, a chance hey, in hell. you're going to go play in Vegas. You think
0: that there's even a chance in hell a playoff game would happen in that little rink? The NHL would never let that happen. They would give the rink staff COVID before they let that happen. There is no way that happens. There's no way. They, the only reason they're allowing this to happen is because there's not a chicken-dick's chance in hell that the Arizona Coyotes make the playoffs. We all know that.
2: They're there for five years, right?
0: They don't make the playoffs in the next five years. Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> what if they make the playoffs in the next five years don't and there's games in this guys, arena?
0: Guys, there's no way that Gary Bettman lets their next generational talent in Connor Bedard go to Arizona. There's no way he will literally not put their ball into the ball machine before that happens. <laughs> I'm telling you, Bedard is going to like Chicago or, or New York. Like it's just, there's no way, like Bedard is going to a major city and there's nothing we can do about it. Do you disagree with that? If you think there's a chance Bedard goes to one of these dumpster fire teams that aren't a major market, no, it'll have to be a major market. I just don't believe it. I don't. I'm I am mean, too, my if you believe
1: or it. Seattle.
2: If you believe
1: He goes to Seattle. They're going to. I don't
2: say
0: Seattle.
2: He's going to. Seattle will be like Jake. He rebuilt the Bruins and shell and, and has. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I like. So, yeah, I if we're, we're going too long at this point, but I did a franchise mode where I traded away everyone in the Bruins that everyone says the Bruins should trade away. And I ended up with a team with Wright and Bedard and everything. Bedard, Bedard's 84 overall, still at 27. He never developed. His his like development trait went from franchise to bottom to bottom six forward. So didn't work. Yikes. Didn't work. Yeah, he just he didn't fit my team. But yeah, we'll find out. And we're running long. This was a great time, guys. And happy Sunday. Can't wait to talk to you guys over the next couple of weeks. Can't wait to watch some hockey soon. Um, Anything else you guys have to say?
1: That's all from me.
2: That's about it for me.